be in 2 Timothy. This is lesson four in 2 Timothy. We'll do verses 9 through, I think, 15. So we have been making our way slowly through 1 and 2 Timothy, verse 8, and then, then verse 9, because that's where we ended last week. Paul's telling Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So that's how we ended last week. We were talking about Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. There you go. Uh, and then uh, Paul begins in verse 9 here, and he's talking about how he has suffered for the message that he has uh, been giving. Uh, and he says this, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. I think you could preach about that. I mean, the word of God's powerful, isn't it? Uh, it really is. It's not chained. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do uh, to stop the word of God. The Bible tells us that uh, it's sharp, that it's quick, that it's powerful, that it will not ever cease to be, uh, though some things will, but the word of God will always speak. So the word of God, no matter what either people or the enemy of our soul tries to do to stop the word of God, uh, it's not going to be held back because God uh, has said that his word will continue. So it says, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. So what Paul has suffered then is that we know that he's in prison. He's in chains. Unlike today's jails, there's no television, there's no three square meals, there's no niceties that they now have in some of the jails and prison, uh, but it is a deep, dark dungeon. They probably would just throw food down to him occasionally, just enough to keep him alive. He's suffering for the kingdom. Uh, it's been a challenge, a life challenge for him. Uh, and he struggled and suffered for the kingdom and for giving the word of God. Uh, what was going on in this time frame? I alluded to it a couple times, said a few things about it. Uh, this was a time frame when Nero uh, was emperor over the whole Roman Empire. Uh, and what was happening was that Nero initially, well, actually the Roman government initially, was okay with Christianity. But then they began to not be okay with it and begin to persecute. And actually, what is believed to have happened is that, uh, how many have ever heard about that fire that affected uh, Rome uh, back in the day of the emperor? And it's believed that Nero actually had Rome set on fire and then he blamed the Christians for it so that he can continue to persecute them and get people on his side. So the fire destroyed uh, vast neighborhoods, poor neighborhoods in particular, uh, and so then Nero had the people on his side because he was like, well, it's these Christians that, that were out doing this, which makes absolutely no sense. That's not a part of Christianity, going out and burning houses. That's not uh, what, what uh, is a part of the, 
message of the gospel. And then I think we can say that even in our day that there is some amount of suffering for the kingdom. It certainly doesn't look like this, what we're talking about, about being beheaded or being imprisoned, uh, at least in our country, but I want you to know that that is still going on in other countries. Uh, there are places, for instance, China, where uh, hidden churches, uh, and so there is still amount of suffering and persecution uh, that is happening. So Paul says, I have suffered to the point of having chains, but the word of God is not chained. Throughout history, the Bible has been attacked, attacked, and attacked. The Word of God has. It's been burned. It's been banned at times. It has been twisted. It's been ignored. But it still stands. Isaiah 40, verse 8, this is the scripture I've been referring to. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands so we can't stop the word of God. Doesn't matter if it's the government, if it's a religious authority, skeptics, nobody can uh, stop the word of God uh, from getting out. The only thing that can hinder the word of God getting out, still gonna happen, but it's if Christians don't read it and don't confess it and profess it and use the word of God uh, as a tool to evangelize the world. Really, we should be spreading the gospel. Did you know that is one of the main things that we do as a church? I mean, if we, if we don't do that, uh, then we're pretty much just a social club, right? Uh, but we come together to hear the word, but to also proliferate the word of God. That's why this church uh, is so involved and so giving in missions and world missions and all those kinds of things and supports uh, those overseas missions to, to spread the word of God. Let's read verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here, you see that Paul is willing to endure the suffering but it's because somebody's going to benefit it's hard to suffer when it seems that there's no benefit to anybody but here Paul is saying I I'm suffering for the sake of the elect he's saying I'm suffering for uh, there to be an opportunity for salvation to come to people and so that, that's what Paul is doing he's saying I'm willing to endure so that those who have been called unto, unto the Lord so that they'll be saved, so that they'll know the gospel, so that, you know, God's kingdom will grow, so that they may obtain salvation, not merely just a better life. See, Christianity is not really just about having a better life here, but I, I will tell you that I do, do believe that you will have a better life here if you're a Christian, but that's not the main thing. Although you hear many people say, you know, uh, sometimes falsehoods, 
It is not true that everything in your life will go perfectly smooth and you'll have the biggest house and the best car and all that just because you're a Christian. I mean, that, that's, that's false teaching, right? But obtaining salvation is the main thing. There is something beyond what we see right here, right now. Uh, because sometimes we do struggle. Sometimes we are sick. Sometimes everything doesn't go right, even when we are a Christian and trying to live with the Lord. Or, or maybe your life is perfect and it's just mine, right? <laughs> I, I, no, I'm kidding. But we have what the Bible calls a blessed hope. What is that? Jesus. Jesus is our hope, but it's also that we will be with him, right, forever. The added benefit of being with the Lord forever. And he's made a place for us. I don't know what that looks like. There's all kinds of songs about having mansions and, you know, all those kinds of things. But I don't really think we're going to be super concerned about what the place looks like. I think it's going to be a little bit more about being surrounding the throne and worshiping. The Bible talks about us receiving at least a crown of righteousness, right? What is happening in that scene in Revelation is that those who receive that, those crowns and the, that crown of righteousness, what do they do? Cast them before the Lord, right? We have this hope of eternal salvation, eternal uh, glory, which can be hard for us to understand because we are so time-oriented. Do you, do you set an alarm to get up? Right? Yeah, I do too. Do you try to go to bed around the same time? Some of you might not because some of you just retired from here. But, you know, we're very time-oriented people. Imagine forever and ever and ever being in heaven with the Lord. And it won't be boring, I promise you that. Uh, I, I've had people say, well, what are we going to do up there? I don't know, but I know it's going to be awesome. Amen? <laughs> Danny, we might be fishing in the river of life. I don't know. We might be picking fruit off the tree of life. Right? Uh, we might be uh, in the millennial. We might be ruling and reigning. Not might. We are. Uh, ruling and reigning and, and doing things for the kingdom of God. Being employed for the Lord. I mean, that's awesome, right? Being eternity with God is greater than any kind of earthly glory that we might experience. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying. Faithful saying. Might be a worship song. Might be something that an author wrote down. But it's a faithful saying, right? That's what it says. I'm leaning towards it being a worship song uh, simply because it kind of has a, a flow about it, right? And it says this, this is a faithful saying, for if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. 
You ever work, woke up with a song in your heart or in your mind? I think this is kind of a tune to that, this particular faithful saying. Uh, sometimes, don't get me wrong, I, I love and I sing a lot of the new, more modern, contemporary worship songs, but every once in a while I'll wake up with one that just come back to my mind from a long time ago, a hymn. May be blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And so this is like kind of a faithful saying, maybe a song, maybe a worship uh, tune uh, that we see. Uh, and it's on Paul's heart, on his mind. And he quotes this as he's talking to Timothy. And it says, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. The promise of resurrection. Isn't that amazing? That because of Christ's death and resurrection, the Bible says that we have the same hope and will experience the same thing. So for a Christian, though we die, we don't really die. So it's kind of like this. Just flip the page. It's not a death. It's a new beginning. This promise of resurrection, it's not a, it is a death, but it's not a death. It's a death to the old man and a promise of a new body and a new life. Man, I'd like to trade in this one right about now. <laughs> or a younger version of, yes, a stronger one, a one that hadn't had so many surgeries and different things, right? Uh, so it's this promise of a resurrection, but only for those who have died with Christ. One of the most picturesque or great illustrations of dying with Christ is nothing but baptism. How many in here have been baptized before? Almost everybody. When I get ready to baptize somebody, I let them know that you need to listen to me because I'm going to tell you something to do. And if you fight me, you're still going underwater because you don't want to fight me, right? <laughs> so if I'm going to baptize somebody, I have them put their hands over their chest like this, right? And then I typically have a handkerchief where I just tell them to hold their mouth, hand over the mouth, and I go to dunk them. But I say, now don't fight me because you're dead. Dead people don't fight, right? They're dead. So this is a picture of him dying and being put under the ground, dead, but we don't keep him there, right? You know, if I really wanted to get, get somebody, I could put them underwater and then say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Anybody have a testimony, you know? Uh, <laughs> thank you, brother. So that is a picture of death with Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to die with him? That's our whole way. So those things that used to be a part of our life, those things that used to entrap us, those things that part of being human, we're not a slave to sin. Yeah. So we've been set free and we've died to all of that become alive in the Christ. The Bible speaks of dying with Jesus 
And so one of the first ways it talks about it is illustrated with baptism. All of us can have a life after death experience with Christ. And you don't you don't have to really die, die physically, right? But you have a life after death experience with the Lord. The other way that Paul is also talking about here, or at least I'm, I'm going to say that he is, is he's getting ready to die. He's going to be a martyr. So he's going to die with Christ, right? And the disciples and the apostles considered that an honor, privilege. I don't know that I'm there. <laughs> but that is another way that Paul could be talking about dying with Christ. He's awaiting his execution. He knows that his time is short. I think that's one of the reasons why 1 and 2 Timothy, when we look at them, especially 2 Timothy, is so powerful. Imagine if you had, here, here's Paul, he's talking to his spiritual son, so he's close to him, and he wants to impart something to him of significance before his departure, before he dies. So it's not going to be filled with a bunch of fluff, but it's going to be powerful and it's going to be something that's really going to help Timothy. That's why you, you see all this uh, powerful stuff in there. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. There's going to be an eternal reward. It's not just about suffering here and Nothing to look forward to, right? Uh, so we're going to have an internal reward, but we got to endure. What does that mean? It means don't give up. I think one of the most powerful spiritual concepts that we can ever get into our mind and into our spirit that's got to be there both places is that I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to give up. You'll hear me preach this. I've come too far, right? Uh, I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to uh, give up. I'm not going to let this go. I'm going to hang on to the Lord. I'm going to endure. Because our present difficulty does not compare to what we shall receive. You may just feel that. I mean, we have something awesome to look forward to. And what we go through down here I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying we don't have aches and pains and problems and situations. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's life is real, right? We know that. But it does not compare at all to what we shall experience with the Lord. Remember, you and I say this all the time. No matter what happens, we're a winner. Isn't that right? We're, we're winners. No matter what happens to us in this life. We're winners. And the Bible's saying that we're going to reign with him. Reign with Christ. You have a destiny. Whether or not you feel like you have any authority here on this earth or not, whether you feel like you have any importance or any significance, I'm going to promise you that you do. But whether you feel like it or not, one day you will rule and reign with Christ. What an amazing thing. That overwhelms me. I don't feel worthy of that. But God doesn't look at me. He 
looks at the blood of Christ on my life, right? And it makes us worthy, right? Because of that. If we deny him, he will deny us. How do you deny the Lord? There's just more than one way. How could you deny the Lord? Turn your back on him. Don't do what he says. Yep. You can also verbally speak against the Lord, right? But really, we deny him by not living what he's asked us to do. We're not following after him. We're not obeying his command. I know we don't like that word for some reason in this day and time. We talk about obedience. But it's a part of the Christian law. It just really is. You can't get by that. Yes, we have grace, and thank God we do. But God calls us to be obedient. And he blesses obedience. And so when we walk in the steps of the Lord, we can expect to be blessed and to have his favor on our life and to experience all those good things of the Lord. Uh, Matthew 10, 33 is, uh, you see this verse, but whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We don't want to deny the Lord. Inside here, it's easy to live with the Lord. In here, it's more easy to be obedient. It's sometimes out there, when we're with peers or when we have the pressures of life and desire and the need to succeed that we need to watch, that we don't deny the Lord. It's important. Now, I love this. If we are faithless, then he remains it doesn't affect God's character or his nature or who he is or what he is like, even when we fail. It doesn't affect who he is. He's still God. He's still faithful. His word is still true. Everything that the Bible says about him, even if we totally turn our back on the Lord, it's all true about him. Right? He's faithful. How many have found the Lord to be faithful, right? Even when we weren't quite so faithful. It says here, if we're faithless, uh, then he is still faithful. Even if we're like the prodigal son, he's still faithful. He still continues to draw us back to him. He doesn't say, well, Go off and do your own thing. Maybe you'll learn better. I've wanted to do that at times with some of my kids, but I didn't, right? I still stuck with them. I still believed that good things were going to happen for them, that God was going to get a hold of their lives, right? Even when we royally mess up. You know what the prodigal son essentially did? He said, I don't care about you dying. He said, Dad, I don't care if you die. I just want my stuff now. It's not going to matter to me if you die. That's essentially what he said. It was quite offensive. But the father let him have it in order that it would teach him. And so, but the father, the Bible tells us that he continued to wait and to watch. And that's what God continues to do with us. 
And I believe he does more than even that. I think he sends his Holy Spirit to convict our hearts and to draw us. Friend, the Holy Spirit is amazing. I'm just amazed what the Holy Spirit does, even when we just teach or preach the Word of God. The Holy Spirit grabs hold of that Word, sinks it into our heart. We can remember it. The Holy Spirit will bring it to our uh, mind. But also for those who are wayward or for the sinner who's never accepted the Lord, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of the Word of God. How many ever have the Word just hit you and convict you, even as a Christian? I mean, it's powerful. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does. For God's faithful to continue. I'm glad he is. I'm glad he is. There was times when I was younger that I didn't serve the Lord like I ought to. I tried to walk away, but he continued to pursue me. How many can say that about yourself? Amen? All right, let's read verse 14. Remind them of these things. So he's saying... There's some important, essential things that you need to remind them of. Charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Paul had just reminded Timothy of the essential things. What did I read? Verse 8. He said, don't leave this out. You're talking to Jewish people. Let them know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And what, the, what goes with that? He's the Savior. He's the one that comes uh, to die for us. He's, all of those things, Paul said, don't forget these. They're, they're essential. How many knows that the gospel is essential? You know, we can teach a lot of good things out of the Bible. There's a lot of principles that will help you in this world. There's business principles in there. Did you know that? There's basic life principles in there. There's work principles in there. But the main thing, you got to keep the main thing, is the gospel. Remind them of these things, the hearers of these things. Blessed are those who hear. In Revelation, he writes to the church and he says to them, how does, how does he say it? Somebody turn to Revelation. What does he say to the churches? This is chapters 3 and 4. For each one who has an ear to hear. So do we hear? Are we, are we really hearing? Or are we, <laughs> I know sometimes this happens, so it's okay. And I know I'm the preacher, and I'm, I'm the one up here giving the message. But sometimes we can tune out the word and not be a real hearer. If you're honest with yourself, right? You can listen, but not hear. Or you can sit. Not even listen, right? We're to be hearers of the word, but also hearers and doers of the word. And there's a difference. You can hear a message and it doesn't hit home with you. You're tired. You're thinking about that roast that's in the crock pot at home uh, and you need to get home, or you know, you're thinking about. That activity that you've got going on after church or whatever, and you hear, but you don't hear. So it's important remind them of these things, that they'll be hearers, focused on the word. It's easy to lose focus. I, I find it very easy to lose focus. I found that out when I went back to school. 
that rather than being more focused the older I got, I always thought that, you know, I'd get more, more calm and more focused the older I got. And that didn't happen for me. I don't know what happened to you all. It's harder to focus for a longer time. So it, it's important for us to focus. Remember these things. What things? Remember that Jesus is the seed of David and was raised from the dead. Verses 11 through 13, he's saying, remember those things, those faithful sayings. And don't strive about words to no profit. Circular talking. Anybody know what circular talking is? You ever heard that? So you talk about something and you just keep going around and around and around and you never really get to anything. You talk a whole lot, but you never really say anything. And here, Paul is saying, don't do this to the ruin of the hearers. So, here's what happens when you come to church. You have a responsibility to hear, right? And to do, and I have a responsibility to not just talk in circles, but to bring you what God has for you and for you to hear the word of God for the people of God and to be changed and to be inspired and to be encouraged and all those kinds of things, right? Uh, so the preacher or the expounder or the teacher, preachers have this same thing going on. You can talk about nonsense to the bad of the hearer. But the Bible says that if we speak the word of God, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Right? We, we have to speak the word of God, not speculations, not entertainment. It's okay to laugh. Can I tell you that every once in a while I just say something funny when I'm preaching to get you back focused? And I learned something whenever. I was actually I was at youth camp. I wasn't a student. I was working at youth camp, and there was a guy by the name of Gary Johnson, and he was one of the most powerful youth speakers I'd ever seen in my life. And you know what he did? He'd be preaching, and it would just get real intense, and then he would say something funny, and then people would laugh. And we, I asked him, "Why? Why do you do that?" And he said, "Because." When people laugh, they open up and they can receive more. So there, there is methods to teaching and preaching that help people. Uh, so that's the reason why sometimes I, when I sense it's really intense and we need a, a little bit of a break there, I might say something that's a little comical uh, and then hit you with a powerful word. Because that's one of the ways that, that you can, can speak the word of God. Verse 15. Stay focused. Paul saying, Timothy, stay focused to your life and to your ministry. Your life is your ministry. You really can't separate your life and your ministry. They collide. They come together. For if you don't live the life, then you won't have the ministry, as people see the difference. Amen? 
people see when there's an inconsistency in your life versus your ministry. It's, a, it's important. So he's telling Timothy, stay focused, pay attention to your life. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Notice it didn't say approved to man. What you do better task, pass the test for what God says you ought to be doing. It really doesn't matter if you disappoint other people. Now, I'm a people pleaser, so I don't like to disappoint other people, but sometimes God tells me to do stuff that sometimes other people don't understand or just really don't like. I've had that happen. I've done things. I've had the Holy Spirit tell me to do something, and not everybody, but sometimes a person or two would be resistant to that because I don't know why. They just work. And I didn't like it, but I had to focus on what the Lord told me to do. I don't think the Lord's going to tell us a whole lot of times to do things that's offensive to people. But what I'm saying is the test is will God approve it? Because there's a whole lot of things that people would like for you to do or not to do. What does the Lord want you to do? What's needful for you to do to be approved by him? A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Live a life that you're not ashamed of. Timothy, child of God, teacher, preacher, whatever your position or whatever your Wherever you're at, live a life that you're not ashamed of before the Lord. Whatever it is God's called you to do, and I, you know, I believe that we're all called to do something, but live a life that you're not ashamed of, and then hear this. I want you to hear this. Then rightly dividing the word of truth. Timothy's a pastor. Part of that's teaching, part of that's preaching, part of that's training other people to do that. But even if you are not a preacher or a teacher or an evangelist or a pastor, you need to study the word of God to rightly divide it. Please don't depend on what just what I say. So you need to study for yourself, right? Learn how to rightly divide the word. How, how do you do that? Study. Lay it out plain and simple. And that kind of lines up with right division and, and uh, write it plainly. Can I tell you, it's tempting at times. If you notice when I'm on the platform, man, you catch me outside of that, you might, I, I might tell you some things that I don't tell you when I'm preaching and teaching. But it's tempting to bring up politics and to bring up this and to bring up that modern events and all those kinds of stuff, but you really have to be careful. And so he's saying, rightly divide, not the politics, not the current, what's going on, but rightly divide the word, because the word has the answer in it. The word has the, the answer in it. So divide the word of truth. How? How do you do that? You said study, but what else? Anything. It means to know truth from untruth. There's, it's more than that, but it, it, essentially it is to uh, know uh, what it really means and what it's really saying. When you study, 
Do you just read it? Do you have any good commentaries? You know, it's okay to even go to Webster because sometimes he defines these words and it gives you some insight. Sometimes people glaze over when I say this, but I want you to know it's not that difficult to go back and see what a word means in the Hebrew or the Greek language. It really isn't. I can do it, and I'm not that brilliant, okay? I'm pretty smart, but I'm not that brilliant, right? <laughs> I'm glad you can say amen. But there are easy ways to do that. There really are. And, and I think it's important. You guys are at a level that you should be doing something. What does this really mean? How can I dig deep into this? How can I find out what it means? Your teacher studies, but what else does he do? Looks for resources, yes. A good teacher also lets the Holy Spirit bring revelation. And most Bibles have just a little thing off to the side in the center column that are references. In other words, this is where you're going to find a similar concept or maybe even the very, almost the very same thing in another book of the Bible, another place in the Bible. Why is that important? I know I'm getting kind of basic tonight, but I want you to understand why we do this. Because the word interprets the word. That's what my, my pastor brother Timmy always taught me, is that the word supports the word. If it doesn't support it or doesn't feel like it supports it, study a little deeper, right? Uh, try to find those connections. It's important. We need to study and allow the Holy Spirit to bring revelation. That's something that, as you know, if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you something, he will do it. He really does. I have been studying before and thought, I, I just don't get this. It doesn't make any sense to me. How, how is, and then I, I go about my day and I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit to do it. And then all of a sudden something, like, wow, they come to me. I understand it now, right? So the Holy Spirit will bring revelation. Present yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, knowing what it says and what it does not say. It's really important, too. You, you ever done that? Take a scripture, and it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's the positive. That's stated in the positive. Faith comes by Hearing, hearing the word of God. So what does faith not come by? It doesn't come by doing. We're getting to comprehend what it says and what it does not say. Because what it does not say can be just as important as what it does say. Because it helps you to understand it. It really does. Uh, so divide the word rightly. And can I tell you that the Bible is consistent. There'll be people out there that tell you that it contradicts itself. It really doesn't. If you study it deep enough, you'll, show that, you'll see that it does not contradict itself. Let's go through these questions. So question one, according to verse nine, how did Paul suffer for preaching the gospel? In prison. 
He had chains on. Verse 9, but the word of God is not chained. So why was Paul willing to suffer for the gospel, according to question 3? So the people can be saved for the sake of the elect or for salvation uh, is another way to answer that. What happens if we deny Jesus? He will deny us. According to verse 11, what happens if we die with him? Rise with him, live with him. Question 4, verses 11 through 13, how does Paul describe those verses? Faithful sin. Question 7, what things is Timothy to remind the people of? Those are all essential points of the gospel. Question 8, according to verse 14, what can, what can happen if we take the focus off the message of God? Is that it will result in the, the what? The ruin of the hearers. You don't want to ruin the hearers. Question 9, according to verse 15, what does it mean to rightly divide God's word? You can answer this several different ways. What's some of the ways you answer it? Lay out the truth, plain and simple. What else? Anybody else? Stick <laughs> to God's word and don't get into other things. Know what it says and what it doesn't say. Is another, that's what I wrote down. But all those things are correct. 